Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the broadcast today. Unfortunately, we do not have Pastor Russ with us. That's why we have long, awkward pauses. Sometimes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Wait, He's yeah. the awkward guy who fills in all the awkward pauses. Can we agree to that? <laughs> yeah, we can we can agree that he has we can we we can agree that he has a remarkable gift of gab. And there's never never a blank spot when that's, Russ is around. That's right. He, we hope he's having a great time. He is on vacation with his family right now. So it's just the three of us today. You'll have to put up with us, but we are looking at the Psalms of Ascent and you may be asking why are we looking at the Bible right now when all of society seems to be crumbling apart? Jonathan, how would you answer that question? Well, this is the gospel for life, and where are we going to find the gospel for life except in God's Word? That's right. This is, you know, this is, it's, as we say, it's, the gospel is not just simply for our salvation. It's the continuing salvation. We're being saved in this world. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's very relevant. If I want to if I want to find out what God speaks to Boise or Seattle or anywhere else, I'm going to put my finger in a text and and find an exposition from God's word. That's right, mm-hmm. and 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 not just understanding our times, but also finding hope and comfort. You know, right. I I watch a lot of news. Um, and it's generally not the news that brings my spirits up. It's generally when I look to eternal things and remember yeah. who my God is and who I am and what he's done for me and what he promises me in the future. So that's, that is our method on the program. And we are looking today at Psalm 123. We've looked at Psalm 120, 121, 122, and we're right in the middle of the Psalms of Ascent. Psalms, uh, Psalms of Ascent, meaning these were pilgrim psalms as people uh, made their journey up to Jerusalem to worship God, but they also are psalms of discipleship and characteristics of our own journey as, we, as, as we, we've been called to forget the things that are behind and press on toward the goal ourselves. So this is part of our journey as well. Mm-hmm. Eugene Peterson wrote a book about these psalms called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, uh, which is one of the finest book titles that I, that I know of. Uh, and it's really what these psalms are all about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get to it then. This is Psalm 123. This is what the psalmist says. A song of ascents. To you I lift up my eyes. O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God, till he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. 
Once again, we're looking at uh, at the Psalms of Ascent, and we mentioned earlier that they, you know, while we're we're where we're starting out in the world and where we're finishing up at, at heaven, these Psalms of Ascent actually uh, repeat that in triads. So the first three Psalms in each triad will go from being harassed to being helped to being in heaven or. And we're in that harassment stage. This is a reminder of the uncongenial world that we live in and the contempt that the world has for believers, and, uh, and particularly as it's pointed out there in, in um, verse 4 in the final, our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease. There's a contempt in this world for believers. Yeah. You know, one of the one of the things that new, belie- new believers often find shocking because when you're a brand new believer and you, you first experience the grace of God in, in Jesus Christ and it's, it's, a, it's an experience of awakening. It's like the lights are on and you're filled with joy and wow, you just think everybody needs to know this and you're shocked to find that people around you may not be enthusiastic about what you have found, mm-hmm. and and in fact, new believers are going to find out very, very shortly that the world will treat you with contempt. Mm-hmm. That the world will not be the the world has never been a spiritually neutral place. Yes, and the world will treat uh, Christian faith, Christian conviction, with contempt. And this psalm is a good reminder, brothers and sisters, that that's nothing new. Don't be surprised. Yeah, and it really goes back to Genesis 3.15. After Adam and Eve fell, uh, the Lord spoke to the servant, the serpent, mm-hmm. and he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between her offspring and your offspring. And really, you know, the, the whole Bible is really an unpacking of that crisis yes. between uh, the church and the world, or the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. Yeah. I mean, you, every every trial, every affliction, every uh, war uh, in Scripture is unpacking that enmity. Yeah, mm-hmm. but we do we do come to a place. I mean, let's let's acknowledge it. Even though we know that the the contempt of the world is going to be directed at Christian faith. And we know that, and we accept that, but we do reach a point where you know we say, you know, God, I've had enough. Mm-hmm. God, God I, I don't know if I can take this anymore. And this is a psalm for when you don't know if you can take it. And, and you know, he cries out, the psalmist cries out, have mercy on us, O Lord. I'm in verse 3. Have mercy on us. We've had more than enough of contempt. In other words, Lord, I don't know that I can take it anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that one of the things that we need to recognize is that um, you know, ultimately the the ultimate pilgrim on this road has been the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Uh, talk about someone who received the ultimate contempt, and and because he traveled this road, we travel it as well. But we, you know, our victory has already been won in him. Here. Here's him. He he's he's the one. He was despised and rejected of men. He was oppressed and afflicted. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Uh, this is Isaiah 53 telling us uh, that here's the one that received the contempt of the world, but he did it on our behalf so that he can deliver us and ultimately. Yeah. Amen. And this psalm is really asking the question: Where do you look for that hope? 
Look at the beginning. To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of a servant look to the hand of their master. Now think about that for a minute. How does a servant, how does a faithful servant, why does a faithful servant watch the hand of the master? And it's because as a faithful servant, you're watching your master's hand. And the moment that the master lifts that hand, you're, yes, master, what do you need? Mm-hmm. What will you have me do? Mm-hmm. And the, the, the image is repeated. As the eyes of a servant look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant look to the hand of her mistress. And once again, how does the maidservant look at the hand of her mistress? You, she watches the hand. Mm-hmm. And the moment that hand is lifted, yes, Yes, my mistress, what, what do you need? How can I serve you? Yep. And uh, th- this is defining for us what faith and trust is yes. in our God. Yep. That we look, we look to him and we are totally submitted to him. You're our hope, you're our help, and you're also our master. Yep. What would you have me do? That's right. You know, we've already pointed out that this psalm is the beginning of that triad of of trouble, trust, and triumph. And so this is a psalm where the psalmist is is extremely troubled, as we've pointed mm-hmm. out. Notice he, he opens up by saying, uh, to you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. It reminds me of Isaiah 6 when uh, you know, Isaiah says, in the year that King Uzziah died. Why is that time important? Because you have to understand, if you were in the year that King Uzziah died, you probably thought the whole world was going to come to an end. Uzziah was a good king. Um, Assyria was closing in on Israel. It didn't look good. Mm-hmm. And so then Isaiah says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting yeah. upon the throne. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trouble in the world did not trouble the Lord. He didn't get up. He wasn't anxious. He wasn't pacing in the halls of heaven. He was calmly seated. And this is exactly how this psalm opens up. Even though we are in a, in a place of scorn and contempt, what is God doing? He is still enthroned in the heavens. It yes. hasn't troubled him at all. Yes. How does that help us? You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, if we had a God who was anxiously biting his nails to see how this was going to you know, turn out, that would be troubling to us. But God is completely calm in this psalm. Yes. And it's just a reminder that we, you know, the fact that he is enthroned in heaven as, as king, as he's controlling all things. We saw it in another psalm, and we saw it in Psalm 122, and we, uh, our helper is the Lord. And we're reminded, not only is he the maker of heaven and earth, uh, he also holds all things together. He's he controls all things, mm-hmm. and and the one that is enthroned in the heaven is in control of everything. Yes, and there's great peace in being his servant, in being his maid servant. Mm-hmm. Um, much of our anxiety in life comes from the illusion that we're in charge and we have to decide, you know, yeah, I'm, you, want, you want to be anxious about life. You want to live in constant anxiety. Try to, try to, run, try to run the show yourself. Yeah. Uh, you want to find peace. Acknowledge that God is your master. And be at peace being a servant. Yeah. Being at peace, taking your, taking your place, your rightful place. That I'm, I'm the servant, you're the master. Well, and that's a great um, point 
that follows from verse one because what is the master doing? He's controlling everything. Mm-hmm. What is the mistress doing? She's controlling everything. Yes. It puts God in his place. It puts our, us in our place. And the reason why that phrases of anxiety is because we can simply say, okay, even though the world looks out of control right now, it's not. Yes. It's not out of control because God is the master. You know, when I, when I read that verse, as the eyes of a maidservant look to the hand of her mistress, when I read that verse, I always think of Mary in uh, Luke's gospel when Angel Gabriel comes to her and says, you will be with child. You know, here she is, what, 14 years old? And she's about, this angel comes and says, you're going to have a baby. Not in your time, not of your choosing. You're not married. You're going to be humiliated. She, her whole world is spinning out of control in one sense. Not, it's not what she planned. And she says, I mean, just this pours out, you, you, this is a heart of faith. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Mm-hmm. That is mm-hmm. one of the most powerful distilled uh, statements of Christian discipleship in the entire Bible. Yes, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Uh, there's such yeah. tremendous peace in that. Yeah, it's like like Samuel, little Samuel, speak, Lord, for your servant here. Yes, you know, there's a there's that desire to take the word and from from God and act on it. Yeah. Yes. Well, and anxiety really is a is is either a belief that God is not powerful enough to rescue me, or He's not good enough to rescue me. And um, this psalm blows both of those apart because. Mm-hmm. He's powerful enough because he's enthroned in the heavens, and he's good enough because as a master, he loves to, to rescue his servant, and as a maid, as a mistress, he loves to rescue his maidservant. And that's exactly what we find in Christ. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We hope that you'll continue to listen to these messages on the Songs of Ascent, and we will see you next time. 